This is the Patriots Catch-22 Podcast with Evan Lazar and Alex Barth. I'm Evan Lazar. Evan Lazar. Evan Lazar. Hello, everybody. Nailed it. Joined, as always, by Alex Barth. That's a bit. That's a match. No risk it, no risk it. 22. Here is Evan Lazar and Alex Barth. Band is back together, baby. 22. Hello, everybody, and welcome into a new edition of the Patriots Catch-22 Podcast right here on Patriots.com. I'm Evan Lazar. Joined, as always, by Alex Barth, and uh, we do have some construction right outside. I was going to say, I heard drilling. I was very confused. There is definitely some drilling. We're we're working on it, Um, so apologies for that. But I want to start with looking back to Sunday, and and then we're going to look ahead and talk about some of the big-picture stuff that I I, I bet is being talked about down the hall, honestly, about where they go after the bye and what they can do these next couple of days and use these days to kind of self-scout and uh, make some, I think, what he's scheme tweaks or scheme adjustments, I think is what Belichick called it yesterday. So there's some of that going on, certainly. But I want to start with Sunday and – and also talk about Mac in a general sense as well um, moving forward because uh, Alex, I, I think I, I've definitely come off on the uh, the Mac apologist side lately, right? I, I think the rest of this thing around him has really torn him down. And, and, and the main reason why I, I feel that way is because he, his strengths coming in the draft, his strengths last year, processing and inaccuracy down the field, right? Like those are his two calling right. cards. When those things just regress out of nowhere, like Mac Jones has been a smart, cerebral quarterback probably his entire life, right? Like you probably would have to go back to like Pop Warner to find like a time when Mac Jones was not seeing the field or not getting the ball where it needed to go or like things like that. Like how many, you watched him a ton at Alabama. How many times did that happen at Alabama? Like any, and it didn't, it didn't. Yeah. Right. And it didn't happen last year either. Like the struggles that I saw from Mac Jones after the bye last year, along with the rest of the team. I, but I thought what we saw with Mac was more physical limitations, right? Like he just doesn't have the rocket arm to fit the ball 25 yards down the field between two zone defenders that are closing on his receiver, right? Like, and teams, I think, caught on to some of those things and were adjusting to take away the short and intermediate stuff and force the ball and funnel the ball out towards the sideline. And that was the type of regression that I was expecting from Mac Jones was defense is adjusting to what he's good at, recognizing that he doesn't have this the physical – physical tools, excuse me, of a Josh Allen or a Justin Herbert or Patrick Mahomes and forcing him to be that type of player as best as they can schematically on defense. When he regresses, when his strengths regress, that points to me to what's going on around him, right? Like you don't just get to that point on his own. And when we watched the tape against the Colts, to me, this was the worst decision-making game that Mac Jones has ever played with the Patriots. And I know he didn't even turn the ball over. So just like, think about that for a second, right? Just in terms of pure processing, uh, where he's supposed to go with the football, when he's supposed to go there with the football, uh, the between the ears stuff, whatever you want to call it, processing field vision. it It was as bad as I've ever seen it from him. And that has to point, in my mind, to trust and comfort, like his comfort level in what they're doing, what he's being asked to do. Like, where is he supposed to start in the progression? Is he supposed to start to the left, to the right, to the middle of the field? Uh, what's his first read? What's his second read? What's his third? What's his, you know, where is his check down releasing into the pattern? Like, those types of things. 
it has it, it stems from all of that and then you also get into the the timing right of he has a three-step drop here but we're asking receivers to run routes that break at 12 yards down the field well, right. if receivers are running vertical routes down the field on a three-step drop, then that's forcing the quarterback to just sit there and hold the ball, right? And right. hold the ball and hold the ball and hold the ball and wait for guys to get open down the field. So you saw a lot of that on this tape as well. So his mental processing skills did not – they just couldn't have gone back to where they – they couldn't have hit rock bottom like this without the whole thing around right. him being terrible. Now, with that being said – he did not play well against the Colts on Sunday. And no one is trying to sit here and say that Mac Jones has been good, right? right? Like, he's not been good. He no, it's, it's adding context. Context. It's explaining why he looks the way that he does. And, Evan, you talked about his comfort level with what they're running. How about his comfort level in the pocket? Yeah. He, he doesn't have time, and on the few plays he does, he's sitting back there feeling rushed because he, he feels like he's about to get hit in any second because he's not used to having that kind of time. So... Again, you know, I, I think a lot of the Mac apologist thing, like you said, no, it's explaining what's going on. People will say, oh, I knew this was Mac Jones. I knew he was this guy. Well, then why wasn't he this guy last year as a rookie when he had less experience, right? And you say, oh, well, last year doesn't count. Well, then why does this year count so much more than last year, right? It's just adding context. And right now, for a number of reasons, he's not comfortable. And when you're not comfortable as a quarterback, you make mistakes because you get rushed you get nervous, and that's what we're seeing right now. Yeah, the, the the biggest thing I think from this last game that really stood out on the All-22 was not progressing past the first read in the progression, right? right. And at this stage of Mac Jones' career, and even in his rookie season, because he is a smart passer and he is somebody that goes through his reads quickly, typically, until this year, they are having him read full field progressions. He is not reading half the field. Right. right or he's not supposed to be reading half the field. But what's happening in a lot of these plays is he's only reading like the first or second read in the progression and then he's kind of goes into panic mode a little bit, right? Because like he the, thinks he's about to get clocked because that's how it's been yeah, all season. Yeah, either he's going to be clocked or there's nobody open initially, so now where do I go with the football? Right. And it just doesn't seem like I have seen recently Mac Jones go from one side of the field to another and hit a receiver in rhythm on the second read or on the backside of a play or whatever the case may be. And I think the no- number one play that's going around is that, that Kendrick Bourne pass that he missed. Yeah. Dan Orlovsky tweeted it. I talked about it. Bedard talked about it. So you look at that play and the thought process in that play is not terrible because the way the safety rotation plays out in the back end He's got a one-on-one matchup with Tyquan Thornton with no safety help over the top, right? So he's thinking, if Tyquan beats Stephon Gilmore here at the line of scrimmage, I have a chance for a big play down the field with no safety help. Take it out of the fact for a second that he's asking his rookie wide receiver to go up against a former defensive player of the year and win the one-on-one matchup. Take that out for a second. As soon as Tyquan Thornton's covered on the play in the first, let's call it, initial stages of the route right at the release and at the beginning or through the stem as he's getting vertical up the field and cancel it right like he's not open like move on to something else so instead he just sits there and holds the ball and holds the ball and holds the ball and eventually he forces it to Ramondre on the on the check down and he's covered and it's incomplete on the front side of the play 
Kendrick Bourne is sitting open, wide open at the sticks like this, like, you know, hello over here, right? What the Patriots want him to do or what he should do, I, I, I'm not going to say what the Patriots want him to do because I don't know, first of all. And second of all, I have no idea what they're coaching him right now. Right. So what he should be doing there is I'm going to give my guy a chance for a half a beat, a beat, to win that one-on-one. If it's not there, I'm going to go to the front side of the, of the formation with the three-receiver side and I'm going to just work out that progression, right? It's a it's a sale concept. It's like stick, corner, vertical, right? Yeah. I'm just going to read the progression and make the right throw. If he had done that, if he had given Taekwon a chance initially in his drop, he looks at it, he sees Taekwon come off the line, covered, going back to my right, he would have had the first down. But for whatever reason, he's getting frozen on those reads. There's a play earlier on in the game where he had Hunter Henry open in the flat for a check down. And he's reading the vertical routes and the concept. It's actually the same style of play, the same flood play. And he's reading the corner and the vertical and trying to throw it past the sticks to Jacoby Myers on third down. And by the time he makes a decision to not throw the football, he then tries to run instead of just checking the ball down to Hunter Henry and he takes a sack. Right, So these types of things where he's just not progressing past uh, the initial reads or he doesn't feel comfortable getting to the front side of a play when he starts on the back side or vice versa, this stuff just was not happening during his rookie season. This is not Mac Jones uh, has hit his physical ceiling right? and teams are catching on to it. This is Mac Jones is not seeing the field, which is a totally different animal than anything that I expected us. Like, I just never expected us to be here. Like, I, I expected us to at least have that in a, that feather in our cap, right? Right. You know, he's an accurate thrower within 20 yards of the line of scrimmage, and he, and he has good eyes. He gets the ball where the ball needs to go. We're not there anymore. We, we've completely regressed. Yeah, and again, I think a lot of it is the situation they've put him in, right? If you talk, I heard you guys talking on on Unfiltered before this about the way they're kind of marrying some of the concepts to his responsibilities, some of the route concepts to yeah. his responsibilities. If if there's no right answer on the play as it's designed, what's the read, right? Yeah, and and it feels it's probably a bit of an oversimplification, but you know. Essentially, reading the field, you're looking for the right answer. You have you have your set, the defense has their set, and somewhere in there, there's a right answer. Usually, it feels like a lot of the play, the 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 chances he's being given right now, there's no right answer. So of course, he looks flummoxed. Yeah, I think the other concern, and I I want to, I think this is like the most fair criticism of him I can give on this. There are some throws where. Quite his accuracy just isn't as good as it was. Yeah, that's and, fair. And I don't know if that's it's it is. I I would say like my take on it. I can't. I don't. I'm not inside his head, so I don't know. And my take on it is that this is all related. Of course. Of course. No. But, of course. Because suddenly, you know, especially to have the success he had last year, and he's been successful his whole career, right? Right. From Alabama, and you know, to to st- it, it it's all going to compound. Right. If there's plays where it's just not there and you can't get it done, even if it's not your fault, you're going to start thinking it is or, yeah. or start second guessing yourself. And then when you do have those opportunities, that that doubt's still there. It's that that concept of being sped up is something that I've hammered. I think that's what it all comes down to. He, he didn't get any pass protection going back to training camp, and it's just completely changed the way he sees the game. It's gone from going through the progressions and figuring it out and reading the defense because now he feels like he doesn't have time to do it to just trying to make snap decisions. And now even when he does have the time, 
he's just developed all these bad habits because of all the instances when he didn't. Yeah, totally fair. And the first read quarterback thing you usually hear about young quarterbacks, but in particular, you usually hear about young mobile quarterbacks, right? Where right. their instincts are, if the first read isn't there, I'm running. That was the whole thing with Justin Fields. Right. But luckily for Chicago, Justin Fields is an awesome runner. So lately, like against the Patriots, he ran all over teams, right? Like last week against Miami, he's running all over them. So that that's the you know the other side of this is that Mac Jones, in order to succeed, needs to be that cerebral passer. Like he needs to be a high level processor in order to succeed. So all this other trickle down stuff he's got to figure out. Now, the accuracy thing I think is really interesting because, as much as I want, I'm a quarterback apologist. I'm a Mac guy, right? Uh, yeah. That's where we're at now. Believe it or not. Uh, as much as I want to put it on the offensive line and look at these two plays and say there's pressure in his face, his line broke down and, and basically gave him no chance, there were two plays in the game that I thought really stood out from an accuracy standpoint where I thought if he's comfortable in the pocket under pressure – he still hits these throws and I think maybe hits these throws last year. Uh, the first one was the wheel route to Ramondre, right? Yeah. Where it works. It's pick wheel. Tyquan Thornton picks Ramondre's guy in man coverage. He's got like a step and a half on the linebacker and there is pressure in Mac Jones's face. Yadney Kajus gets beat by Quiddy Pay off the right edge and Quiddy Pay is right in his grill as he releases the football. Still a throw I'd like him to hit. Yeah, still a throw. I'd like yeah. him to hit every once in a while. You're going to have to make some plays under pressure, right? And right. that's still a throw that it's a hard throw. It's under pressure, but if he's the guy, if he's a franchise quarterback, I still want him to make that throw. The other throw was the crossing route to Kendrick Bourne, the very first third down of the game, that Cole Strange gets beat by DeForest Buckner, and Buckner's in his face, right? And could Kendrick Bourne have? caught the ball probably uh could he have not slowed down on the route and run through it probably he still put it f- too far out in front but of that's him. another one too where and maybe in this situation helped with the blitz but that was a one read play yes that was there was a clear out route right on it's one same, side it's the same play that they ran to jacoby myers on third down the week before right and he's what is he like six seven yards short of the sticks yeah that's the Kendrick Bourne is the only receiver Mac Jones can throw the ball to on that play. Nobody else is realistically in the pattern. So, yeah, it, it, it wasn't a great throw, but I look at that and say, well, why why are they running that play there? It goes back to my thing where there's no right answer. Even if he completes that, uh, Kendrick Bourne gets tackled probably right there, maybe picks up a yard or two. Not his fault. The defender's right on him, right? They come up, you know, third and 15, they pick up, or I think it was third and 15, third and whatever it was. I have it right in front of me. I probably could actually just say it, right? Should I do that? Should I be right, Evan? Let me be right here. I actually think he had some room. Third and 12. Third and 12, he caught it like five yards. He caught it like five yards off line of scrimmage. Seven yards yeah. short of the sticks. Maybe he picks it up, but it's not easy. Let's see. he gets tackled. Then it's all, well, why is Mac throwing short of the sticks on third down? Why design. is he doing that? Right. It goes yeah. back to my point of there are, there are plays they're running where there's just no right answer. And I think he's struggling to figure out what to do with that. So... To me, what all this adds up, and this is sort of what I got into on Unfiltered, um, but you know, there's obviously a lot more voices in that room, so we can yeah. hash it out more here. To me, these are all 
not max like big picture but some of this execution stuff that we're talking about yeah i think is, is micro and is fixable yeah. right like i think oh, that yeah. some of this execution stuff the timing of the drops and the routes the uh you know handling pressure or or improving the offensive line so he's not under pressure as much not sure about right tackle like that's the one spot where we're going to get to in a second where uh, i'm not sure that that's fixable with their current roster construction unless they do some things that's something you have to figure out how to work around I yeah think, rather right. than you know correct but on a macro level ah ma- macro I think some of the like Mac. Ah, there yeah. you go. On the macro level, I think there's two big things that that from a coaching and coordinating standpoint that really stand out to me. Play design, it's simple and it's unimaginative. Like there's just nothing create like there's no conflict. It's not putting any conflict into the defense, right? Like right. we're just calling plays. Like, it almost reminds me of, like, what they talk about uh, when they talk about training camp, right? When they right. say that training camp, we're just running basic. Like, we're just running our install. Like, we're running day one stuff, and we're just trying to get the execution down of our basic plays. I know you kind of hate this, but the term I always use is Madden offense. Yeah. Because with, with the playbooks in Madden, or if you ever played Madden, like, they're just... That's not really how NFL plays are called. It's a very oversimplified version of how NFL plays are called. But right. teams will do it. You know, in, in training camp in the preseason, when you have 90 guys and you're just, you know, it's one thing to run in the preseason. It makes some sense to run in the preseason, not necessarily in week nine. Yeah, there's just so few times where I sit there and I'm like, that was that was a good design or right. that was like a cool play. Like, uh, that's why when they ran the, the touchdown to Jacoby against the Bears, the, the league playoff play action with Bailey Zappi, I lost my mind in the press box because I was like, Oh my goodness. Don't admit that. They finally ran something that w- like that was cool. Like yes, like that's what we're supposed to that's coordinating. So it's that's play design. I I think and maybe people who don't watch the game as close as we do just to kind of explain this a little further cuz it's I, I there are people who I I tell this to them and they're kind of surprised that this level goes into it. It's not five guys running five routes when you call a passing play. They're all, most of the time, they don't all have to interconnect, but when we talk about route concepts, this is what we mean. You run a guy on a on a post, and then you run from the, from the boundary, and then you run a guy from the slot on a wheel. This is just one of hundreds of concepts, but yeah. those two work in tandem to create space. Right. That's, and that's kind of what you're talking about, is you can just give five guys five different assignments and have them all run them, and that's all well and good, but... What you really want to do is pair. It can be two together. It can be three together. There's probably some plays where there's five together. I can't think of one off the top of my head. I guess Haas kind of is five, right? Well, that's a. Those are like full field progressions, right? Right. Like that's the difference. But but the, the yeah. idea is that you're running you're you're running these concepts in tandem with one another to elicit some sort of reaction from the defense, right. and that can be any various number of things but you're trying to put guys in conflict by what you're showing them and then what you can do is take those concepts and build you take it to the next dimension you build off of those concepts throughout multiple plays where you know it's a you set them up one way and then you give them the other that kind of thing whereas 
that that there's not a ton of that right now. Right. So the easiest example that I can give is like the Shanahan tree because it's it is pretty simple stuff. Right. So it's outside zone, outside zone, and now we're bootleg, right? Right. And we bootleg off of outside zone, and when we bootleg off of outside zone, we have like five different route concepts right. that we run off the bootleg. So some of it is just half field, like you know crossers, right? Like right. into that half of the field. It could be slant, 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 and then slant go. Right. And then some of it is half boot, where actually the quarterback is boot but then kind of stays more in the middle of the field instead of going all the way out to the into the boundary into the sideline and then those have different route concepts off of it and different things that we can do off of it so it's all sorts of complementary plays like the Patriots go to play for years off of play action uh, it was called Charles Barkley where they pull the backside guard they made all their play calls after like legendary basketball players yeah. so like Haas is, is Michael Jordan right, right. the GOAT then you're like Charles Barkley is the, is the pulling guard play. So they'll pull the guard, right? To cuz they're a guard pulling heavy team. So when they run the football, it's it's counter, it's power, we're pulling the guard and we're going through. So they'll pull the guard and then they can pull the guard and they can put a crossing route behind it, right? right. Or a Gronk or Julian Edelman would cross on an over route across the field. Then they'll run Charles Barkley same blocking scheme, same everything up front, but now Gronk runs the seam. Right. Instead of running the crosser. So now we have that. Now we have Julian Edelman, instead of running the crosser, he's going to run like a, a post crosser, right? Where he fakes right. inside and then he breaks outside, right? So uh, th- those are the different complements or the different things that they can play with uh, that allow them to build plays up. And, then and it, you don't hear Shaq Leonard calling out our right. plays at the line of scrimmage. And that's the thing because it all looks the same. It's like when you see those videos of pitchers, right? on Twitter where a guy's fastball and slider, right. you know, the the arm action's the same, the release point's the same, the first, you know, 10 feet to the mound, it's the same, and then they split in two different directions. Right. That's essentially kind of what you're trying to do yes. with your offense. Exactly. And I think that these types of things are like PhD level, right? Like right. this is like graduate school. This is, uh, this is like big leagues. And – Right now, you have an offensive coordinator and an offensive staff, really, with Patricia and Joe Judge that are, that are learning on the fly how to do this. So they're elementary. And I I kind of agree. I, I think Paul and Fred were talking about this on Unfiltered. I, I kind of agree that Bill Belichick has sort of put Matt Patricia in a terrible spot, right? Like, he's a defensive coach his whole career. Now he's moving over to offense. They're also dealing him a second, uh, a second year quarterback, right? Yeah. It's not like they have Tom Brady here still, where it's like, all right, Matt, like you're going to coordinate the offense, but really Brady's the coach, right? Like, there's not that much going on right now. So I, I do think that Matt Patricia's in a tough spot. Like, I, I do think it's a, a difficult position to be in uh, for him, but. I just think there's a level of sophistication, and this is why, uh, you know, I, I kind of downplayed the Shaq Leonard thing, and I do think it it does deserve some downplaying. But at the same time, it does definitely suggest the fact that uh, their plays are are pretty pretty basic right now. And I, I I'll sit up there in the press box or you know on the all twenty two and, and like be like, they run this play every week. Right. Right, like I, I see this play every week. I see this play every week. I see that play every week. And their most successful stuff has honestly been the RPOs lately. And that's because it's finally something that just organically creates conflict in the defense, right? right? Like there, it's just a play design that is already creating conflict in the defense, even if you run it at the simplest of levels, like they're doing right now. Well, so that to go back to what you said about it all, like the plays look basic. It's not even that the plays themselves are basic. I mean, that's a part of it, but none of them look like each other. Yeah. Right. 
they all and it, they all look very different. So there's not a ton of you know. All right, we've seen this look already, but is it going this way or this way? They're not creating that. And again, the RPO, like you said, is something that naturally the the whole concept behind the concept is pick a defender, put him in conflict. Right. That's that's what the entire thing is predicated on. Right. So it's built in. Yeah, it's a great point about how it, it there it doesn't look like they're building up to anything, right? Like right. it never looks like they're sequencing together things to like right. build up to a bigger thing. It all just kind of looks like they're just calling plays, right? Yeah. Like we're just running plays. And uh, that that's the difference, I think, between a really experienced play caller and somebody that's doing it for the first time. And, and that's where the Patriots are at offensively. I do want to talk about the offensive line. This is kind of we kind of went into what I was going to do, which was sort of making fixes and tweaks during the bye week here uh, already. Uh, I think the biggest thing, as much as we can get into, and I love the scheme talk as much as anybody, as much as we can get into all the X's and O's and how they could improve there. At the end of the day, if they block better, I, the whole thing is going to look it, better. It really is. Everybody talking about Max not the guy and this and that. Like you, you can't know. We can't know because there's just it. The it all starts with the offensive line. If the offensive line's not there, has Mac really been given a fair shot this year? No, he hasn't. No. He hasn't had time to throw anything. So, and by the way, I'd say the same. I think the run game probably could be better. I know people are super high on Ramondre, and rightfully so. He's been Way amazing. Better. From an efficiency like, standpoint, they're 22nd in DVOA. Feels like, like his kind of potential's untapped right now, right? Same with Damian Harris. Like, they have much better runners than this. I would yeah. even say some of these receivers, a guy like Tyquan Thornton, whose route tree is going to be mostly intermediate and deep stuff, you need time to throw those routes, right? Yeah. So, I, I think it all, all, even the play calling, well, maybe they can't run some of the stuff that they want to get to at the next level because they don't have time to block it, yeah. right? So... I think it all ultimately comes back down to the offensive line. I'm not saying that if they fix the offensive line, they'll suddenly be you know the best offense in the league, but we'll have a much better idea of what everything else looks like if and when they can just get some of this stuff blocked. Yeah, so speaking of that, from a pure personnel standpoint, I wanted to go over what we felt is their best five-man combination. Okay, okay so right now, last week, the combination they rolled with the most and the one they ended with uh, was Yanni Kajust at right tackle, Onwenu at right guard, James Ferentz at center, Wynn at left guard, Brown at left tackle. Now, David Andrews is back at practice today, right. which is massive. So put David Andrews back at center. What are you doing? The two weak points or the two you know kind of tipping points right now are clearly left guard and right tackle, right? Those are the two yep. points that you're really having a ton of problems. Right guard has been rock solid, and I would say Trent's been solid too. So I'm not too if Trent about Brown, that. Yeah, Trent Brown hasn't been perfect, but if Trent Brown was the worst performer on the offensive line this year, they'd be, they'd be in great shape. Right. Excellent. So center, right guard, and, and left tackle, you feel good about it. It's those two spots. It's left guard yeah. and it's right tackle. So moving forward, who do you put in those pots? Because at this point, and Dante Scarnecchia used to talk about this all the time, seeing it through the same set of eyes. At this point, you just have to pick – a combination right. and go with it. It's a lot like last year where on when was the odd man out and it was Ted Karras, but it was working. So they stuck with it, right? Like there's no going back at that position. So who you, who are you starting at left guard coming off the bye, and who are you starting at right tackle? Well, so this is where I, I have to go against a lot of what you said, what I would do. I know you said right guard might be their best spot, but Michael and when the best right tackle on this team? Yeah. And I've said this in the past. I'd rather cover up an issue with guard than an issue with tackle. I would move Michael Inwenu out to right tackle 
And then between Cole Strange, Isaiah Wynn, and Chasen Hines when he comes back, and maybe go out and find somebody else in free agency, or even Marcus Cannon when he comes back, between those four, find two guards. Yeah. That's what I would do. Now, I don't think that's what they'll do. No. And they obviously know more than I do, and they're in the room. So there's probably a reason they're not doing that. But with the information I have, that's what I would do. I'm with you that that's the best thing to do for this team this year. Yeah. I think that they yeah, want— Yeah, we're, we're talking about this year. Like, this correct. isn't into the offseason. I definitely think they want to develop Mike Onwenu at right guard, and he's been playing so well yeah. there that I think that they look at it uh, maybe more from a big picture They sense already in that dinked sense. around with him for two years. Right. They want to leave him there. And you can't dink around with Cole Strange. Like, you can't—Cole Strange is a left guard in college. He's a left guard in the pros. Right. If he's moving anywhere, it's center. It's a tough, if anywhere. It's a tough ask to move him to the right side. Right. And I think the issue that you've had with Isaiah Wynn is a lot to do with him transitioning to the right side as well. Now, can you mask things like, you know, footwork and, and the things that I talked about, I think, last week about Isaiah Wynn where he's not you know getting out of his stance quick enough and he's not getting to his landmarks or his set points and his footwork is all messed up. I guess in theory, you can mask those more at guard because you're not – you're not setting out as far at guard, right? Like you don't have to really kick out of your stance as, as much at guard as you would at tackle. So I, I, if they're just looking to maximize the team this year and put everybody in, in, a, in a good position this year, then moving on when out to tackle, because this is how bad it's got. Like I right. was really against this. I was. I said, well, I wanted him at right tackle, but I said, wherever you put him, just put him there. Leave him. Right. Don't move him. I, I, I was again, I thought, I think he's a guard long term. And I think he's best at guard. But at this point, I, I don't know how you avoid this if you want the team to be the best it can be this year, right? Like if you're right. if you're still on the five year plan and you're just thinking about the next three years or whatever, the next five years, then maybe you leave on Wenu at guard and continue to develop him there. But if you're trying to maximize the team this year, then I have a hard time thinking about how you fix right tackle any better than than putting on Wenu out there. Yeah. So what do you do at the guard spots? You know, I, I think Cole Strange, to me, it's similar to what's been going on with Mac, you know, like against the Bears, right? Where you just kind of have to ride it, right? right. You just kind of have to ride it out with him at left guard. Uh, you, not, you hope David Andrews coming back yeah, fixes a right. lot of the problems. You hope that David Andrews coming back fix a lot. And I personally think that it was a mistake pulling him from that game last week i the first couple drives of the game were rough against DeForest buckner there's no question about it uh he but he played two drives right i think i think it was like two and a half or okay yeah first play of the game i think it was the first play of the game they try to run outside zone to the left side he tries to pass off uh deforest buckner to james ferentz and deforest buckner just blew up the play right like tackled yeah. Ramondre two yards behind the line of scrimmage then uh, i mentioned the kenner Bourne play where he gets beat by deforest buckner again yeah, and forces an Aaron pass, and, and they're punting the football. So basically, in the first drive or the first two drives, I can't remember exactly how those plays are sequenced together. He he ruined two plays, right? Like in the first like five plays that you ran. So I understand from that standpoint, kind of being like, all right, we got to get him out of there, right? Right. But I think with him, you got to ride the wave. Like I, I just don't think you have any other choice. And there has been some good tape, certainly. Earlier on in the yeah. season and with David Andrews at center, there's been some solid tape. So the question I think that boils down to is can Isaiah Wynn play right guard at a somewhat acceptable level? I mean, 
I, I'd like to think between him, Marcus Cannon, Chase, like, and Hines. I, I guess those two guys are on who, IR. I can't you, keep going back to them. Who do you trust more? Do you trust Isaiah Wynn at right guard, or do you trust Yadney Kajust at right tackle? I mean, I thought Yadney looked, he looked fine. Right. I mean, compared to what we've seen, he held up well. I know he got beat a couple of times, but... He got beat a lot early, and I thought he settled down nicely yeah. after that. Pay gave him a, a ton of problems, but Pay is a good player. Like he, He's starting to come on and come into his own for Indy. Uh, he can really rush the passer. So he had him beat a lot early on in that game. The run blocking tape was solid for Yadney. Uh, he had a great block on Johnny Smith's screen. Uh, blocked the guy right off the screen on yeah. the uh, broadcast copy. So he had some good run blocking screen tape. The pass protection stuff was iffy. But maybe you ride that wave, right? Like, I don't know. But that's what it comes down to, I think, for them is do you trust win more or do you trust could just more like and, and I don't know I I have a tough time answering that question myself I think probably could just just from what we've seen you know yeah. just going but it I don't think you're necessarily going to get one group and stick with it I think you're gonna have to continue to tweak things which is unfortunate but I think that's just where they're at yeah all right let's take some of these calls uh I think uh that about sums up the offense I we're kind of um getting lost in the weeds there a little bit I think with some of the scheme stuff which I appreciate no that's what this show is Patty, what's going on, Patty and Aguam? How you doing? What's going on, guys? Damn it, you stole you, you stole my question. I was going to ask you if uh, you think Dante's thing. What I asked the PU guys yesterday, just sticking with five guys. But um, Alex, I'll ask you a question. Right. Um, I think I remember this. Maybe I'm not remembering correctly, but didn't didn't you have uh, Brandon Schooler as like a, a special teams guy prior to last year's draft, and a, a guy that the Patriots would want to take a look at? Probably. I think I did, yeah. That, that seems like a bar thing to do, to know the random special teamer from Texas that nobody's ever heard of. <laughs> I, 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 I'd I, have to pull up my spreadsheet, honestly. At the end of the day, all the names kind of run together. I think I had him on my radar, like, late. Yeah, and that, I mean, that's all I got. Um, I'm hoping that they just stick with five guys going forward. And, you know, if Cole Strange, like I said to the guys yesterday, if, if he's one of the guys and he's struggling, just let him work through it, you know. He's your first-round pick. Let, just let the guy friggin' deal and, and get it over with. That's yeah. it. Yeah, no, Patty, you're, you're 100% right, in my opinion, with that. Is, uh, and I, I think if, if they called Skarnecchia and were like, you know, give us your three things that we need to fix yeah. on the offensive line, I think continuity would be number one. I'd agree with that. They're in t- some of it's injury. Driven, right. Some right? of it you can't avoid, but. Yeah, there's no. too much shuffling going on with that group. All right. Uh, Andrew in Wisconsin. What's up, Andrew? Hey, guys. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Thanks for hanging on. Doing well. Um, so I have two questions here. Um, one of them I, I have to preface, and I'll try to go quick here. Um, so as a casual fan, just watching the games, um, I know it's, I, I'm really not one of those Bailey Zappi guys at all. I, I love Mac. I bought the $400 Nike jersey for him right away when we drafted him. Um, but it, it looked a lot better. When, when he was out there. Um, I'm just wondering if it's still the play calling, if it's still the difference there. Um, and then also kind of more of a on a lighthearted side, um, how, how likely do you guys think it is to uh, for Matthew Judon to break sack record this year? He's actually, you know, it, it would take a little bit. Uh, it'd be pretty tough, but it seems like he could do it. 
All right, so to to the first point, the Bailey Zappi Mac Jones thing, I I I did think we were kind of beyond this when we saw Bailey Zappi against Chicago, like yeah. af- after they lost the lead and when he was playing from behind, uh, and that that game was as bad as any tape that that Mac Jones has put out there. Uh, you know, he comes in, he plays great. They have a couple play calls up there right. for him, and then it really started to unravel on him and unravel on the whole team. To be fair as well, I, I will say this though: I think we're at the point now, and and I was as anti-Bailey Zappi as you could possibly be, right? Yeah. But I do think we're at the point now where Bailey Zappi was making quicker decisions with the football. Maybe not necessarily uh, better, like, aggressive decisions, right, I guess is the way to put it. Like, you know, I, I don't think he was making as many uh, high-level high throws. He was just getting the ball out of his hand. He's getting the ball out of his Which hand. Which yes. is, we talked about Max's decision-making ability. Bailey Zappi's best trait in college was that ball was in and out, yeah. in and out, yeah. in and out. And... It, it, it was great to see that. Now, some of it was, I don't think Bailey Zappi ever got sped up. Uh, the, yeah. Those were probably, the, the his two starts were the two best games in terms of pass pro for this team. And I know there's some people who have these conspiracy theories that they're willing to block for Bailey Zappi yeah. more than Mac Jones. No, they did things in those games to help out. They There's a, in those games, there's a significantly, significantly higher rate where they keep running backs and or tight ends into block and only send three or four guys out in the pattern. That's naturally going to help. They called more of these quick-release plays that are designed for the quarterback to get the ball in and out of his hands. They called more of those plays in those games, and they're calling for Max. So what I would what I would say to that in terms of Zappi didn't look sped up, Zappi was getting the ball out of his hands, yes, they made it easier for him to do that. The answer is not necessarily going back to Bailey Zappi. It's call, giving Mac Jones those opportunities. Yeah, is is I will push back on one thing, not yeah. to, not like to you directly necessarily, yeah. but uh, we have two years basically, uh, not basically. We have two years of sample size now to work with on Mac Jones. Yeah. His under center passing numbers are some of the worst in the league. Okay, but you can do a lot of that stuff without going under center. I don't think you can do some of the hard play action stuff they were doing with Bailey. No, but you can do you can do six protection. You can do quick re- quick throw kind sure. of plays, quick slants, things like that. Yeah, no, the quick throws certainly. Yeah. Uh, I think that the play action success that they had with Bailey Zappi is really it's a, it's a Bailey Zappi thing, okay. right? And I I think the main reason when I say it's a Bailey Zappi thing, I more mean it's a Lions and Browns thing, right? Like I yeah. think those two teams saw a rookie quarterback making his first starts in the NFL and they were just eight in the box and were coming after the line of scrimmage, right? Like that was the game plan from right. their side of the things. And they were just getting the three on two in the back end and Jacoby Myers or uh, Devonte Parker was getting one-on-ones all over the place and they're just winning the, the one-on-ones against inferior quarters. When they play these better teams that have good cover guys in the back end and have better linebackers that can read things out quicker, like a team like Indianapolis, like they're not going to, have average 17 yards per play action pass attempt against the Colts or against right. the Bills or against some of these better defenses, the Jets. So I think a lot of ways that that was like an opponent-driven thing. Um, I think that they got Bailey Zappi or had to go to Bailey Zappi in a really good time to go to Bailey Zappi. Those two teams and those two defenses really struggled against the Patriots. So I think there's some elements of the Bailey Zappi offense that I wish they, they did more. I think mainly, though, and this is sort of one of the big picture things I wanted to hit on about where do they go from here and off the bye week, I think they have to accept the fact that Mac Jones is just not 
comfortable operating from under center. I don't know what it is. I, like, I, I've tried to study some of the tape, and I think there are some elements of, like, uh, drops and, like, timing in his drops and things like that. Or maybe the play-action fake, like, just isn't as, as – he doesn't sell it as well as he needs to or whatever. But like I said, uh, two years now of data – on Mac Jones and all of it suggests that he struggles from under center right now from under center this season, he's averaging 5.9 yards per attempt. It's 33rd in the NFL from the start of last season to this year. He's 35th in passer rating from under center. So he just doesn't do it well for whatever reason. So that's why I'm always harping so much on RPOs because if you're not going to be an under center play action team, and you're going to be a spread team, and you're going to play out of the gun all the time, you have to run RPOs. Like, that's how you get the same idea of play action, right? That's the shotgun version of play action, is RPOs. Now, the next step, certainly, for their RPO package is downfield routes. Like, we were talking about this before practice. Like, can we get a slant on an RPO? Instead of all bubble screens, which is all they do right now, is bubble screens off of RPOs, they got to start developing some routes down the field, slants, like curls or hitches, uh, anything, like anything down the field that will generate a bigger play if they do throw the ball out of the RPO. Because right now, you're not going to get big plays off of bubble screens. Like that's just right. not going to happen uh, too frequently. You're going to get bigger plays out of hitting, you know, Kendrick Bourne on a slant. And he's off off to the races, right? Like right. those are the big right. plays that you're going to get. That's what off they were RPOs. last year. That's what they were at Alabama, right? Yeah. Like Devontae Smith off the glance route was automatic, right? right? Automatic big play. When I say last year big plays, I mean like the, the not on RPOs, but like Kendrick Bourne catch and run, right? Right, right, yeah. yeah. That, that's totally what it is. So I think that you know the Bailey Zappi stuff to me. I I do agree that Bailey Zappi was getting the ball out quicker and seeing the field faster than Mac Jones. But I do think that they need to start calling plays that fit Mac Jones and the under center stuff just doesn't. All right. Uh, Steven. Wait, wait, we, all right, let's take Steve. There's the Matthew Judon thing, but let's take Steve. Oh, I forgot about that. Steve, what's up? (laughs) Guys. Um, So, you know, I think the, the thing with the offense, I think the first thing other than the offensive line that really needs to, be addressed is really the coaching. I, if we think that the team has enough talent, and we think that the quarterback shows potential, then good coaching should elevate players, you know, to their potential. I mean, Bill Belichick's been doing that for years. Um, obviously, you had you know, uh, you know, the goat as a quarterback, which which helps. But um, you know, I think that's something that needs to be addressed. I have no idea if they'll actually look at and think, oh, wait a minute, maybe having Patricia as the offensive coordinator is not working. I don't know. But when I look at Mac, I see him when he, like, is in the pocket. You can tell, you know, he gets he has, like, happy feet where it looks like he's processing so much more information than he's supposed to. Like, I think he's thinking, all right, are my wide receivers running the actual right routes? Um, because if they don't and he throws the ball because he has to anticipate – and it gets intercepted, people are going to say, look at, you know, we need to go back to Zappi. And then, you know, uh, is, you know, is this offensive line going to protect me or am I going to get another, you know, just destroyed uh, constantly? And uh, I just don't know, you know, what is. The other thing I was going to ask is, you know, Joe Burrow gets, you know, constantly hit. Yeah, he doesn't 
have or does he have the same characteristics that Mac is showing now? Yeah. So look, I, I think to to sum it up, I I think we agree or with him on all yeah. all points about the coaching. I, the first thing I'll I'll just say about Joe Burrow, well, he, you know, he has Jamar Chase. Well, so, so this is what I was going to say. Look at what he's looked like without Jamar Chase, yeah. right? Go back to that game against Cleveland. He looked, and, and the offensive line couldn't block him. He's get, they're, they're teeing off on him. The Browns defense wasn't. Well, that's a good pass rush, but he looked like Mac Jones has looked. Yeah. I, I, so Steve, there is something to Steven that. Steven Ruiz of the Ringer wrote a good piece about the, the Bengals figuring out their offense a little bit before Jamar Chase got hurt. Yeah. And he said that he wrote this whole, like, you know, soliloquy about how the Bengals have pulled out of their early season rut and their offense is clicking again. And I remember he tweeted and he was just like, but at the end of the day, Jamar Chase is just really good. And he started winning all of his one-on-one battles. Right. Right. Like that was like sort of the Trump card that a team like the Bengals or the team, like the dolphins, like for all their scheming and all of Mike McDaniel's craziness at the end of the day, the dolphins just have two, receivers in Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill that are damn good and when they need a play that's where Tua goes with the ball right, right. And, and the Patriots might have like one in Jacoby Myers who I think can get open and, and make plays like that but it's certainly not as explosive as those two guys in terms of Patricia and his future well, let's call it that with the organization I, I I also tend to agree that Patricia's not going anywhere and they're gonna have him just like a player would develop into this role right and hope that over time he gets better at it just like players do with more repetition i do hope two things one i hope that next year they hire a real offensive line coach to take that off his plate right i hope that there's a carmen brasillo or you know a a googs right i can't say his last name but just somebody that's done offensive line before uh you know maybe your guy from iowa that you tell me is terrible right that uh okay i brian Brian i I said iowa's uh, offense is terrible i never said brian ferentz terrible uh, brian ferentz uh you kind of did brian ferentz right maybe it's brian ferentz from iowa who might get canned by his dad as the oc there right somebody Uh, just butchered that whole thing but essentially yes that whole thing right He's good. At, he's he's looking at NFL coaching jobs to avoid getting fired by. His Maybe dad. his NFL coaching job is coming to coach the offensive well, line. He's with been the here. He coached. He was a, he was a right. he quality control control coach here for two years. And then in 2011, he was the tight ends coach. Played offensive line in Iowa. Played offensive line yeah. in the NFL. Coached at Iowa before becoming the quarterbacks coach in OC. But yeah, he would be a guy that would fit that description. Yes. The other hope that I have is they have somebody that they hire because i i don't think they're going to hire like bill o'brien next year like i don't think that that's going to happen and they're going to bring in like a, a veteran oc to run the whole thing but i would hope that maybe next year they would bring in like a consultant right like a right. like a some sort of quality control coach or consultant that's coached offense his entire life and could come in and just be a professional offensive coach in the room to kind of help point these guys in the right direction sort of like what you would do if if Patricia was like a young coordinator, right? Like right. sort of like what Dante Scarnecchia and Ivan Fears were for Josh McDaniels, right? Like somebody like that that's been around the block and knows what he's doing, I think would go a long way. We, we missed the Matthew Judon thing, and, and we've talked uh, 50 minutes now, Alex, about the offense and, and the uh, offensive struggles, and we haven't really touched it all on the defense. So Judon and the sack record, I, I could take that or leave it. I, I don't really care if he t- breaks the sack record, but I, I do think that it's worth talking about. Well, it's an interesting what bigger conversation with him to me because of how last season ended. We thought he was going to yeah. break it last season. He was yeah. 
Six sacks, six sacks short with six games to go. At least the Patriots team sack record of 18 and a half yeah. set by Andre Tippett in 1984. And then he never got another sack after yeah. the bye. Here we are at the bye week again. And this is something that really applies to the team as a whole, but we can use Judon as an example. The bye week last year became a thing. Yeah. In that when they struggled down the stretch, it, the bye, the bye, what happened at the bye? What would they do? What didn't they do during the bye? Right. And here we are again. Now, Matt Judon has talked this year about how he tried to get in better shape, better endurance. His usage rate has been down 10% this year, 74%, down from about 82 83% this time last year. So they've. it seems like, at least with him, they've made an effort to, to write that. The pace he's on right now, he's got 11 and a half sacks in nine games, he should blow by Andre Tippett's number of 18 and a half. And, you know, does he flirt with the 22 and a half from TJ Watt from a couple of years ago? I tied with Michael Strahan, right? Uh, maybe. Maybe he does. He's on that pace right now. He's on pace to tie it. They need him to show up big down the stretch, which he didn't do last year. So that's where this gets very interesting. Yeah, and I think last year, too, the their secondary rushers, like Barmore came on, right? And, and yeah. he was somebody that emerged. But they didn't. I think this year they have really good rush depth. Like guys like Uche, Dietrich Wise, Barmore will be Barmore when he comes back, right? So I think these guys getting to this point has really put the pass rush in a position that I'm much more bullish on it even than I was last year. Because last year, it felt a lot, until Barmore started to come on in the middle yep. part of the year, it felt a lot like Judon was their entire pass rush, right? And if you block right. Judon, you're going to be okay. This year, they have some counters to just Judon. Their five-man or four-man package on fourth, on third down, excuse me, is, is spectacular. Like, it's just so much fun to watch how they scheme it up, how they run stunts or games up front, how they uh, blitz guys and then drop guys. And, like, it's just there's right. so much uh, great stuff going going on i mean they had a play last week where they dropped judon into coverage and the whole protection slides out to judon and then jelani Tavai is just unblocked through the middle of the line of scrimmage like they're just playing games with the offensive line and with the pass protection of these opposing uh offensive lines right now that's been really fun to watch now in the back end it's a little bit like what they were doing last year where there's some disguise, there's some rotation. Uh, there's definitely some zone, more zone maybe than we're accustomed to on early downs. Third downs, a man coverage uh, down for them. I have reservations about whether or not the secondary is truly going to hold up against the elite offenses, right? Like okay. when Josh Allen comes here and Stephon Diggs and Gabe Davis and Isaiah McKenzie again, like yeah. how are they going to match up in man coverage uh, against those types of teams when they play the Bengals, like when they have to face Jamar Chase, like who's taking Jamar Chase and right. do they have a guy that they can uh, hold up in the back end with that? Because Burrow Allen, uh, you know, if they do make the playoffs, whoever they play in the playoffs, like uh, I shouldn't say whoever, because some, maybe they do play a quarterback that they can spin the dial on, but guys like Allen and Burrow, uh, they're, they're not going to be able to do what they did to Zach Wilson, right? right. Like they're not going to be able to just muddy the waters back there, make it confusing and get out and get, three turnovers like I, I just don't think that those guys are gonna are gonna fall for those tricks as much as the inexperienced guys do so can they get by can they actually win with personnel instead of it all just being Belichick smoke and mirrors right because right. last year they couldn't 
Last year it was ended up all being built smoke and mirrors. So is this? How do you feel about the back end? Because their safety group is has me excited. Like that, I think they can really uh, do some cool things with. But I'm still a little bit concerned with the fact that your outside corners are Jalen Mills and Jonathan Jones. And Jonathan Jones has been great. Don't right. get me wrong. But well, and Jack Jones. And so maybe Jack Jones is the answer, or Marcus in the slot, or you know whatever upgrades that unit. But how do you feel about the back end right now? Because the front, I think we can all agree, has been awesome. I, I think it's one of those things. I know this is sort of a cop out, but I think it's one of those things where they've done as well as you can expect to this point. Yeah, we're not going to know how they. You know, you talk about yeah. the Bills, right? We're not going to know what they look like against that kind of test until they face it. Yeah, we're just not. And I think the biggest issue against the Bills last year, I know people try to talk about the schemes and this and that, and your whole thing with the iPhone and the flip phone and whatever. <laughs> um, I think at the end of the day, a lot of it was just speed. Yeah, They just didn't have the speed on the field that the Bills did. They needed to. Now you have Jonathan Jones playing on the outside. You didn't even have him last year at all. He was hurt. But you have him playing on the outside. You have Marcus Jones in the slot. You have Jack Jones. Like They have legitimate speed in the secondary now. So... Does that mean that they're going to blank the Bills? I don't, probably not. I guess we'll right. see what happens with Josh Allen's elbow. But they're better equipped personnel-wise personnel wise for that matchup. The schematic thing is another level of it, but it we won't know until we know. It's, it, there really is no comp for it, – it's, it's the Bills and the Bengals games really that stand out. Maybe Miami is the closest comp for how they would cover something yeah, don't like that. But, about Miami. but that was week one. We've come so far. No, but from I'm there just saying like, they play Miami again. No, I know. That's yeah, what I'm saying. Yeah. And, and maybe the comp for how they defend these explosive, you know, multi game breaker receiver offenses is Miami. That was week one. Jack, I, did Jack Jones play in that game? If he did, he didn't play yeah, he a did. lot. He got mossed by Tyree. You're King. right. Uh, uh, Marcus Jones didn't play a ton. Jonathan Jones was still very new to playing on the boundaries. So. We're really not going to know until we know it with that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, I think the hesitation that I have with the group maybe stems back from training camp and watching Devontae Adams just dominate them for two days in Vegas because right. that's one of those examples where, like, this is an outside receiver and you don't have a number one outside corner. Like, Jonathan Jones is a number one outside corner in theory, but he's not a guy that matches up against Devontae Adams, right? Like, he's a guy that can match up against Tyreek Hill. I think he can take Stephon Diggs. Right, I think that Diggs is more of a route runner than he is like a, a big body guy, big explosive receiver like Adams. Right. The Raiders game I think is really interesting because it's like, is that going to be Jalen Mills that that's going to get Devontae Adams? Are they going to trust Jack Jones at that point to be on Devontae Adams? Now, when I was watching uh, Bill's Jets this past week, getting ahead on next week for the Jets, and also just watching the Bills a little bit, the – thing that I couldn't get out of my head when watching the Bills because whenever I watch any whenever I have a chance to watch Buffalo all my thoughts are about watching Josh Allen and that offense is like what do they do differently right like what how can they match up against this and I almost said it jokingly to myself I'm kind of serious like how many DBs can they get on the field right like how many DBs is too many DBs because the way that I look at Buffalo right now is even even still, right at this point, their running game is Josh Allen, right? Like he's their best running, he's their best ball carrier, right? right? And that's basically the design quarterback runs that they might be able to hit the Patriots with are worrisome for sure. But like you said, it's all about getting speed on the field, right? right. So can they play? I think now what the difference is, what I'm getting at, you mentioned the speed at corner, which I agree with you. I think they're faster at corner. But I also think they're deeper at safety, right? Because last year, they did not have Jabril Peppers. So 
is there a world against Buffalo where they can get all four safeties on the field at once? Because if they can get all four of those guys, well, if they can get Duggar, Phillips, Peppers, and Devin all on the field at once, then I think that they have a chance. Because I think they have speed, and I think they have open field tacklers at that point, right? Like they yeah. have guys that can bring people down. And Duggar, Phillips is not as physical as Duggar and Peppers is, but he he makes great reads from off the ball, and he has some of the best run fits out of anybody on the team. He yeah. really does. And Peppers and Duggar bring a physicality that I think only Bentley really does at the linebacker spot. So to me, they the difference the like trump card that they might have this year against buffalo than they didn't have last year is basically like playing like a dollar package like they could play seven defensive backs and the bills still can't run the ball that's the bills, what I'm saying. outside of josh allen himself which if and i've said this about josh allen for years but now for real yeah if i'm the bills it, you cannot have him run this much you just can't well do against it. the patriots he might have to run 10 times he might have to. And he, he, they might have to turn him into Justin Fields and Lamar Jackson. Ten now. times is not a lot for him. Ten times is a in lot there. in terms of designed but runs. But I'm saying that's a lot of designed but, runs. But all of it, all of it, you can't have him taking that many hits. You can't. And I've, that's the way to beat him is to kind of just beat him up, right? That's what Matthew Judon said when they asked him, like, how do you how do you deal with mobile quarterbacks? Right. Hit him. It like, was the same. It's the same with Josh Allen. It was the same with Cam. It was the same with Vic. It's the yeah. same with any of these guys, even Aaron Rodgers to an extent. Like, um, the Bills still don't have a traditional running game. So to your point about getting all four safeties on the field, well, if you only need two true defensive linemen, right? If you can go out there with just Dietrich Wise and Christian Barmore as your defensive linemen, that's a big help. Now, usually... Yeah, like I think on first down, if you go out there with like Lawrence Guy and Devon Godshaw and, and Barmore uh, as a three-man line and maybe Judon as a yeah. fourth guy on the line of scrimmage and you run like a 4-3... I mean, I think those four guys have a chance to hold up against yeah. any, like, you know, was it Devil Singletary now or whatever Look, if, the running if the game Bills is. are going to see that and, and decide to run the ball 30, 35 times, you've won. That's what I'm you've saying. You've won, right? right? So make them do that. Yeah, I think that that's exactly what it is. It's it's like those old matchups against Peyton, right? Like, right. it's like if you're going to hand the ball off to no Sean Moreno 40 times in this game, like, we consider that a win. Even if he runs for 200 yards, we still consider that a win. So... I think that that's the difference that they didn't have last year. Like you mentioned, Jonathan Jones was hurt. Uh, they didn't have the, the fourth guy at safety. They didn't have Peppers at safety. So now last year when they played Buffalo, especially in that second matchup, you know, the, the playoff game, I know everybody goes back to the playoff game because of the score, but they're they're like playing practice squad guys at corner in the playoff yeah. game, okay? So really the game that worries me more is the second one because that was like your best right, team, right? right. Like, yeah, that's and, your who best. Who is it? Devontae Bosby's not going to be out there. Right. Juwan Williams is going right. to be out there. Right, Those that, that second game here in Foxborough, that was your best 11 against their best 11, straight up. So in that game... And they were an interception away from winning that game. In that game, they could not get Miles Bryant off the field. They had nobody else to put on Isaiah McKenzie. Right. They had no other answer for Isaiah McKenzie because Jonathan Jones was hurt and Miles Bryant was their nickel. Like, that's all right. they had. This year, I think they have more depth there because of the rookies. They have more depth at safety because of Peppers. So if Miles Bryant's getting beat like a drum again on Isaiah McKenzie, well, then maybe you move Jonathan Jones inside. Maybe you put Jack Jones in the game. Maybe you put yeah. Marcus Jones in the game, right? Like, you have counters now to right. it. So that's the hope I would give it, give you. There's some hope. Yeah. I'm not saying they're going to beat Buffalo. I'm just saying there's They're better equipped to do so. Yeah, absolutely. All right. 
Tyler, what's going on, Tyler? Hey, this is a little off topic, more about the future of the show, and y'all may not know, but come draft time, would y'all be doing those videos where you do like mock drafts or simulator again? I was just curious. Uh, we're definitely going to be doing a ton of draft content on the show in the off season for sure. And thanks for the call, Tyler. Uh, we're going to try to do something like that. We haven't really worked out the logistics yeah. of how it's going to be done exactly, but yeah, we're going to we're going to try our best to do the mocks or do the some sort of semblance. Day after that. the Super Bowl, I will be blowing up Evan's phone about what oh we're going to do for the draft. All right, last call here, and then we got to wrap it up. Andrew, what's going on, Andrew? Andrew. Andrew. Hey. Oh, oh. sound hurts. Wow. The last one, too. <laughs> all right. Well, that's all right. We got we're at the hour mark oh. anyway, so we got to call it a day. Uh, give me before we wrap up really quickly. Just don't go too deep into this. Oh, boy. Give me the one thing that you want them to fix during the bye week. And you can't say Mac Jones because that's like oh, too. It, I, no, too it's much. it's the the offensive line. The offensive yeah. line will fix everything. Else. That's a really easy question. Really? I, the yeah, offensive I'm line. Not. Because fixing the offensive line fixes, okay. at least to an extent, Mac Jones. It fixes the wide receivers. It fixes elements of the offense. The offensive line. There, any other? It's not an opinion question. That's the correct answer. That is the correct answer. Uh, so I'm going to give you another answer just because you already gave the okay. correct answer. And you like being wrong. <laughs> wow. If the Patriots do not come off this bye week and run a downfield RPO, I'm going to lose my, my mind, Alex. I'm going to lose my mind. I'm going to start yelling. I'm going to lose my mind. I'm going to get all riled up like I did when John Rook got me riled up about Bailey Zappi. And, and Marine Mike you gotta, remembers But you got to have a block to throw it down the field. If they do not start expanding this RPO package beyond, if I see another inside zone RPO with a bubble screen, I'm going to lose my mind. Well, then you are going to really like what I'm writing for 985thesportsub.com this week. Nice tease. No more, not no more bubble screens off RPOs, but we got to, we got to graduate. Just, just other R, you, no, I, honestly, graduate. I love bubble screen RPOs. I think that they're fine. In, 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 when you run them in the right spots, they're very effective. Yeah. Part of what makes them so effective is when you set them up with other RPOs, right? Yes. I, I'm fine if they keep running them. Just start adding to them. I got to be honest. I th this offense should be 20% RPOs, right? Alabama, Mac Jones' last league, season. The league percentage is like 12 13%. Yeah. The, Mac Jones' last season in Alabama, they were 19% RPO. All right. They should be 20% You know RPO. what else? Uh, I, I know you said be quick, but one more point because I've been thinking about RPOs a lot. Be quick, and Alex's version is like one 10 of, minutes later. One of the best individual attributes for any player on the offense is Ramondre Stevenson's field vision. Would you disagree with that? or Just Ramondre like, Stevenson. No, but yeah. like when, if we're going into individual traits, right, what makes Ramondre so good? I think his field vision is a big part of it. He sees the field incredibly well. Yeah. That, that plays huge on RPOs. That plays yeah. huge. Forget the Mac part of it. Right. Which obviously matters, but I'm just saying, put that aside for a second. Ramondre is also a great RPO back. Oh, yeah. So you could take advantage of this on both sides of it. Yeah, he says And, and Damien Harris, too, obviously. He ran him a ton at Alabama. but He says it all the time, Ramondre, that he prefers running like that because he can make cuts and reads on his own, right? He's not, like, following right, a lead right. blocker or something like that. It opens it up more. It's how he ran at Oklahoma. It, it, those spread formations, and I, I've been Do you know beating, what Oklahoma's RPO percentage is? It's high, right? Pretty high. Yeah. Yeah, or at least when it was uh, Lincoln. When it, yeah, yeah, back in, yeah. So... When with Ramondre, he's always talked about I like running from spread formations because it yeah. lightens the box and it gives me freedom to make cuts and make reads. 
that's the biggest thing to me is like the under center stuff. It's like, okay, we're putting the quarterback under center. We're getting a single high against it. There's seven, eight guys in the box. And like, if you don't have a dominant offensive line, you're just not running the ball against right. those looks. So the RPO allows you to open up the box, right? It puts six guys in the box against your five. And now there's conflict in the defense off the uh, off the you know the pass action right. on the outside and now you're reading guys and you're creating conflict and you're creating lighter numbers in the middle of the field they've been really good at running the football out of the gun five yards per yep. attempt out of the gun three and a half from under center like this is all these numbers are just staring right at them I, I, I wrote this at patriots.com it's, today so you can check that out what I would say is everybody gets all excited about RPOs about the pass element of it right yeah and yo you can expand the passing game with RPOs it is a run pass option yeah you can also make plays in the running game with them as well. I feel like that gets because the modern era and the nerds and blah, running the football, the, the run element is still is there and it can be effective. Football. Running the football against light boxes off of like RPO, like the, the nerds are okay with that. All right. All right. You well, got then the I don't know if I should be, but anyway. all right. Anyways, so uh, like we said, fix the offensive line. Run more sophisticated RPOs. That's the fix for the offense. Step three profit. Yeah, step three profit. Okay, so we'll be back next Wednesday, same time, same place, to talk about the New York Jets. This is a weird one to play the Jets this closely yeah. together. Uh, they only have one. They're off this week as well. So yeah. they, they played Buffalo last week and then play you again after the bye, just like you play the Colts and then play the Bills or then play the Jets, excuse me, right off the bye. So big, big game here in Foxborough. Uh, Patriots Jets will have you covered here on Patriots Catch 22 full preview next Wednesday. We'll see you guys then. Thanks for listening. Thank you for downloading this podcast. Subscribe on Apple, Google Play, and everywhere else you listen. Like the show? Please rate and review us. Listener comments and ratings help keep us high in the podcast rankings so new listeners can find us. Be sure to check Patriots.com for more news and more podcasts.